Political Thoughts with Steve is brought to you by Anchor. Go to anchor.fm today to start your free podcast or download the Anchor app from all major app stores. And welcome to this week's episode of Political Thoughts with Steve. I'm your host, Stephen Murphy, and we have a great show for all of our fellow political nerds out there in podcast world. On this week's episode, we will be talking about the Mueller investigation. Things are heating up right now involving Robert Mueller and the Trump-Russia election investigation right now. I mean, it is crazy what's going on right now. And also, we will be talking about a special tribute to President George H.W. Bush. As everyone know, we lost our 41st president last weekend, and I know it's crazy. Steve is talking about a Republican, but there's a special, special story behind this tribute to President George H.W. Bush, so stick around for that. Also, we'll be talking about This Week in Trump, where we review what our fearless president has been talking about this week and the trouble that he probably got himself into, and a special Final Thoughts with Steve today where we discuss children who are grown up without fathers. Now, this is a special topic for me because I relate to this topic on so many levels, and I'm sure that some of my fellow political nerds out there in podcast land also can relate to this topic. So, We have a great, great show in store for all of you fellow political nerds out there for this week's episode. So sit back and relax. Go ahead and open up yourself a cold, cold drink. I have my glass of scotch right beside me right now, and we'll be right back on this week's episode of Political Thoughts with Steve, brought to you by Anchor. We'll be right back. And welcome back to this week's episode of Political Thoughts with Steve. Let's jump right into it. We're going to be talking about Robert Mueller. The Robert Mueller investigation is going on right now, and things are heating up during this Mueller investigation. Now, last Friday, Special Counsel Robert Mueller said that former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort lied on five major issues after agreeing to cooperate with prosecutors, including his contact with administration officials. In a heavily redacted document, Mueller also said that Manafort lied about his interactions with this Russian guy. I'm not not even going to try to pronounce his name at all because that would just be, that'd be crazy. Um, But spelled K-I-L-I-M-N-I-K. So, I'm going to let y'all figure that one out. Anyways, Mueller said that this Russian guy has ties to the Russian military intelligence unit accused of hacking the Democrats. And they've previously outlined how the two men may have worked together to tamper with witness witnesses following Manafort's or yeah, Manafort's arrest last year. Uh Oh, scandal alert. I mean, this has like become like, an everyday occurrence, a scandal happening in this White House? (gasps) Who would have ever thought that? But you know what? This is not, you know, the days of President Obama or Bush 43 or Clinton or Bush 41 or Reagan or any president before Trump. This is the presidency of Donald Trump. So none of this should even come as a surprise to any of y'all ever. Because this happens every single week. The accusations by Mueller added to growing signs that the special counsel's team has a wealth of evidence about contacts between people close to President Trump, including the White House, and Russians during the 2016 campaign. Now, the question that I keep getting asked every single week, especially you know, while I'm trying to drink my whiskey or drink my sour in a or drink my scotch in a bar, is do you seriously think that this Russia investigation is a witch hunt? No, 
I don't think that this is a witch hunt at all. I think that President Trump is trying to make everyone think it's a witch hunt because Trump supporters lack a brain. But anyways, the documents also contains the stunning disclosure that Mueller can show, including with text messages, that Manafort was in contact with Trump administration officials earlier this year, even after he was indicted in 2017. The new and damaging information for the White House comes at a time when every move by Mueller appears to bring his investigation deeper into the White House and Trump's inner circle and shows it has expanded well beyond what may or may not have happened in the 2016 campaign. Bum, bum, bum. Mueller last week also accused Paul Manafort of lying during his interviews. I could see that. I think we all could see that. Saying that his actions during his cooperation were, quote, were criminal and breached his plea agreement, end quote. Uh-oh, someone's in trouble. The investigators also said that they have evidence about electronic communications. Okay. There's some magic two words. Electronic communications, also known as emails. If you haven't heard last week's episode, I want y'all to stop this right now. It will save. And I want y'all to go back to last week's episode and hear my opinions when it comes to private email servers. This is why there should not be any private email servers. Because anything that's a private email server or a public email server, such as a dot .gmail account or a Yahoo account, it's dangerous to have them. But I'm not going to get into that. If you want me to get into that, go to last week's episode. But let's continue with this story, shall we? But anyways, they have evidence about electronic communications relating to the Russian guy and travel records. And they make clear in the document that they have investigating meetings between Manafort and this Russian guy. Now, I can hear all my Republican friends right now that listen to this podcast say, Steve, stop, stop. They could, they could have met about anything, man. They could have met about talking about their wife or their kids, and they could be old friends. I mean, they could be meeting for anything. I am 180% certain that they did not meet to talk about their family and their friends. I'm pretty sure that they met to talk about ways to influence a Democratic election. Newsflash, everybody. The 2016 elections were hacked by Russian operatives. It's not a secret. It's been proven. What this investigation is looking into is to see if President Trump had anything to do with it. And I'm telling you this right now, and this is just my opinion. You're about to hear the words impeachment become a regular Word of the day for the next year and a half until the 2020 general election. I mean, I'm I am just saying it's about to happen. The words impeachment, because if I was the Democrats right now. I would be biding my time because Robert Mueller from now on every single week is going to be leaking Little bitty things that is going to become a big thing within the next three to six months. I guarantee it. It will not surprise me if Congress in 2019, if the House of Representatives vote and pass articles of impeachment to the Senate where you will have a full Senate trial. Now, to all my young viewers out there who was probably born in the 90s, do not remember the trial of William Jefferson Clinton. Bill Clinton was impeached by the House of Representatives in the 90s for lying under oath, which, in fact, he was probably impeached because he got caught sleeping with an intern. But 
the articles of impeachment, the first article was lying under oath. And the articles of impeachment passed the House and went to the Senate. And for three days, the world was waiting to see if William Jefferson Clinton was going to be the first president of the United States to be fully impeached by both houses of Congress. Impeachment is a way to get rid of a president for doing something so stupid it's illegal. Now, President George W. Bush screwed up when it came to the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, but it wasn't enough to impeach the guy. He didn't, I don't think he broke any laws, but you know, a lot of my Democrat friends say, yeah, he was a warlord, but you know what? We may never know if he broke any laws. There was never investigations into that. But I'm guaranteeing you, for all my young all my young listeners, y'all are about to see an impeachment trial on live television. And when that day happens, I want you to grab some popcorn, get a 12-pack of beer, go buy a bottle of Jack Daniels. I mean, I have a bottle of Jack. Well, actually, I have a couple of bottles of Jack. I have a couple of bottles of Scotch. I am a huge fan of Johnny Walker Black. I even have a huge bottle of Johnny Walker Blue saved up for special occasions. I swear to God, if the Senate impeaches Donald Trump, I am opening up that bottle of Johnny Walker Blue and I'm going to open it up right here on air. You are going to hear me take that first glass, that first drink from that glass and tell you how good it is. But let's continue with... with Robert Mueller and Paul Manafort. <clears throat> Anyways, the following is the first time prosecutors have summarized why and how they believe Manafort breached his plea agreement. Now, previously, Mueller simply told a federal judge that Manafort, quote, committed federal crimes by lying to FBI and special counsel's office during his cooperation interviews on a variety of subject matters. Now, what does the White House have to say about this? I'm glad you asked. I am actually looking right now at the transcript. And this is what Sarah Sanders, the woman with the worst job in the world right now, this is what Sarah Pinocchio Sanders, yes, Sarah Sanders, you are now Mrs. Pinocchio. Ted Cruz is Senator Pinocchio. You shall be now called Mrs. Pinocchio because you lie every single week and we all know what happened to Pinocchio when he kept lying. Anyways, Sarah Pinocchio Sanders said, the government's filing in Paul Manafort's case says absolutely nothing about the president. Okay, I've got my swear jar here. I've put my 20 bucks inside the swear jar, ladies and gentlemen. So if you have kids in the car, it's time to pause the podcast and drop them off at school and pick it up. I'm going to get everyone a second to stop the podcast if you have kids in the car. Ready to go. Okay, the kids should be out of the car. The swear jar has the 20 bucks in it. Sarah Sanders, that is the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard. Yes, it has absolutely everything to do with President Donald Trump. If this had nothing to do with President Trump, we wouldn't even be having a Mueller investigation. Jesus Christ. Look, Trump supporters may be stupid people, but the rest of the American public are not stupid people. I am not stupid. My listeners are not stupid. No one, not everyone in this country is stupid like Trump supporters that buys the countless bullshit that Donald Trump says on a weekly, on a daily, hourly basis on Twitter. Not everyone buys in that stupid bullshit, but let's continue. Man, my heart rate is up. It said, quote, it says even less about collusion and is devoted almost entirely to lobbying-related issues. Let's stop right there. Let's talk about lobbying-related issues. What lobbying-related issues are you talking about, Mrs. Pinocchio? The NRA? Oh, yeah. Because Democrats, you know, are always, you know, Democrats are the part that's bought by the NRA. And by the way, I'm being very sarcastic now, so don't think that this is true. Yes, the NRA. You mean the group that values the gun over a child's life? Nah, 
I don't think they're talking about the NRA. Oh, oh, the insurance lobby. Because Democrats who have been fighting hard to lower our premiums and try to open up Medicare for all. Yeah, they're all about the insurance lobby. The first, the number one biggest lobbying in the U.S. Congress, which is the insurance lobby. Yeah, they're talking about that. Oh, oh. Maybe it's the lobbying that is done by the alt-right and the Christian right. Because, you know, Democrats are all about, you know, you know, all about, you know, trying to destroy Christian or Christianity. That's the biggest load of bullshit I've heard. You know, you can be a Democrat and be a Christian at the same time. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to be a Republican. But, you know, anyways, let's continue on with the bullshit statement. Quote, once again, the media is trying to create a story where there isn't one. Now let's start blaming the media. If you haven't heard my rant about why it is dangerous to blame the media on everything, I want you to stop this podcast again and go look up. I think it was the war on the free press. I think it was like three weeks ago. I want you to go listen to that one and then we'll continue. Um, yeah, this has nothing to do with, you know, the media trying to create a story when there isn't one. There is a story. Watergate was created because the media decided to start digging into the Watergate scandal. If you don't believe me, there is a great movie called All... I think it's called All the President's Men. It is all about the investigation of the Watergate scandal at the Washington Post or the Washington Times. I highly suggest everyone to go watch that movie. It is great. It is actually a great book if you can find it. Anyways, yeah, this isn't just a story created by the press. This is a story... Because your dumbass boss had to cheat to win. Now, I used to say this a lot. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I learned that from one of the greatest WWF superstars of all time, Eddie Guerrero. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. But I think when it comes to a presidential election, you shouldn't cheat. You should actually just run a campaign. We need to bring those campaigns back. That's why we need to bring back normalcy in 2020. Anyways, let's continue. Mueller's team outlined how they believe Manafort lied in multiple ways on multiple occasions. He told the person via, or Manafort told a person through text message to talk to a Trump official in May, and separately he was in touch with the, administ with the administration through February. According to this long document that I am reading right now, but this is just my own little summary. He uh, Manafort told uh, Mueller's office that he began cooperating. He had no direct or indirect communications with anyone in the administration while they were in, in the administration, and that he never asked anyone to try to communicate a message to anyone in the administration on any subject matter. So guess what? He lied under oath. Boom. He has lied under oath. He is going to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. He is gone. Also, he lied about meetings with Russian associates. They have found travel records. The Washington Post reported that Manafort and this Russian guy met twice during the campaign. They didn't meet to discuss how the family is doing. They met to discuss how can Russia sway a democratically held election. Stupid. Man, my blood pressure is really starting to raise. I need to kind of, I need to kind of cool it a little bit, don't I? Jesus. So what's to come? What's to come? Manafort is now set to be the sixth Mueller defendant to face sentencing, and guess what? 
He is not getting off the hook easily, ladies and gentlemen. He is going to jail. For how long, I do not know, but stay tuned on that. Manafort is scheduled to receive his first sentence for eight financial conventions, conventions in by early February. His second sentencing date is going to be in March. For the two charges he currently faces in federal court, he could receive up to 17 to 22 years in prison. <clears throat> So, Metaphor's gone. This is the latest person to go down because of this political witch hunt that Donald Trump calls. So, expect that more is going to happen within the next coming weeks. Expect that there are going to be more documents released to the press. And get ready because you're about to hear the words impeachment over and over again. We'll be right back. And welcome back to this week's episode of Political Thoughts with Steve. Our main story tonight is the recent passing of our 41st President of the United States, President George Herbert Walker Bush, or as many of us that had the privilege and honor of serving on the USS George H. W. Bush, we call him 41. Um, last Thursday, or no, last Friday, uh, my family and I were in Nashville, Tennessee, um, visiting family of ours. And we were outside on the porch when my mom came out and said, President Bush passed away, and when I heard that news, my heart just sunk. Um, yeah, it was it was a tough, tough. Um, it was a tough blow because I always admired President Bush. Now, yes, I am a Democrat. That will never, ever, ever go away. I will always be a Democrat. However. President Bush inspired me to continue a life of public service after I left the military. Now, from 2007 until 2011, I had the privilege and honor of serving on the USS George H.W. Bush. Um, I was a, what in the Navy we call a plank owner. That means that I was a member of the first crew on board the ship. I, I commissioned the ship. In January of 2009, I believe. Um, and I was part of the original crew. Now, President Bush used to fly out on board the carrier. And, you know, he would spend time with us. And he always talked to us like we mattered. Yeah, we always showed him respect because, you know, he is our former commander-in-chief. This is his ship. But he always took time out to talk to us like, you know, we were just basic human beings, not, you know, sailors in the Navy. Um, during that time, I had the privilege and honor of working for my commanding officer. And... While I was working for him, President Bush came on board and we had to host this big dinner and everything. And I had the honor of serving President Bush for a couple of days. And him and I had some really, really good talks on politics. And, you know, just him just taking the time out and, you know, talking to me. I've been a political nerd since the 2000 presidential election between. 43 George W. Bush and Vice President Gore. And, you know, that's when I got really interested in politics. And, you know, since, since that time on, you know, I was watching shows like The West Wing or I've watched The American President. I'm a huge fan of Aaron Sorkin. I love House of Cards. Um, I love Madam Secretary. You know, all these political shows I'm just fan. I'm a fan of, including Scandal. Um, But, yeah, I had you know, the privilege and honor of actually getting to know President Bush. And let me tell you, President Bush is my favorite 
Republican president. He is my favorite Republican president. And you know, no offense to President Lincoln, no offense to President Reagan, but I didn't get a chance to meet President Lincoln or President Reagan. I got a chance to meet President Bush, and I was raised to judge someone by the character. And President Bush had amazing character. Amazing character. He always took time out to visit us sailors, to shake our hands, to tell us that they're praying for us, to thank us for their service. But he always took time out to get to know us. And it's because of President Bush that I decided to continue my career in public service after I left the Navy in 2011. So when I heard that President Bush passed away, it really did hit me hard. It really did. Um, you know, the flag was flying at half mass. People were talking about it. I mean, to me, it was it was like losing a grandparent all over again. And I know, well, Steve, you know, he, he wasn't your granddad. He was a president. I understand. But he kind of became a grandfather to all of us, really. Just go watch some of the interviews that he did like later with his wife, Barbara. And even with George W. Bush, I mean, he was like, man, I, I wish he was my grandfather. Um, yeah, I was I was hit pretty hard by that death. And then, you know, all last week with the state funeral, um, you know, Air Force One leaving Houston, arriving at Andrews, you know, the body going or the casket draped with a flag. I'm laying in state at the national at, at the Capitol, at the U.S. Capitol. Um, if any of y'all haven't seen the footage of George W. Bush when 41 was laying in state, go take a look at it. President Bush. Um, after the ceremony, they leave. But during the course of the night, um, President George W. Bush and Laura Bush comes back to the Capitol with Jeb and Marvin and the rest of the Bush family. And they're um, thanking, you know, all these people that have come from all over the country, even around the world, to pay their respects to 41. And, you know, you're seeing President Bush, like, genuinely laugh. And... You know, throughout the whole service or throughout the whole week, um, especially at the beginning, you, know, you could tell he wanted to cry. But, you know, he held his composure really, really well. And, you know, there was times, you know, before the funeral that I was like, you know what, he's going to crack. And he never did. You could see his eyes swelling up with tears. You can see that bottom lip start to tremble. You knew it was coming, but it never came. And then we get to the national funeral at the National Cathedral. And for those of you that have never been inside the National Cathedral, let me tell you, you're missing out. The National Cathedral is truly the, the centerpiece of D.C. And if you ever get a chance to visit Washington, D.C., I want everyone to go to the National Cathedral because it is beautiful at the National Cathedral. Um, if you look up, you have the flags of all the states and all the territories of the U.S. Um, Darth Vader's helmet is actually a statue in the corner of the National Cathedral. Um, there's a couple of presents that's actually buried at the National Cathedral. There's a lot of um, well-known Americans that are buried at the National Cathedral. But you're watching the funeral, and you're hearing all these stories. Um, you see Jim Baker start to break down um, when, uh, I forgot the senator's name, but he was an older statesman, was giving a eulogy, and Jim Baker, who was President Bush's chief of staff, and President Bush's best friend just breaks down. I mean, I almost lost it right there. And then George W. Bush comes up. 
he has that George W. Bush swag, that walk. He opens up that black binder and he starts delivering his speech. And throughout the speech, you know, you, you're waiting. It's an anticipation of him finally breaking. And when he got closer to the end, I was like, you know what? He did great. He He's not going to break. And right when he said that President Bush was the greatest father a son or daughter could have, he lost it. And I'm telling you this, not a single eye in that cathedral was dry when President Bush finally broke down. You had statesmen, elder statesmen. You had the Prince of Wales. You had all these national and world leaders in one room wiping tears from their eyes because of this beautiful eulogy by by a son to his father. And you just felt so bad for President Bush. And you're like, you know what? It's okay to grieve. You've been holding this in all week. You've been the strong one. It's okay to grieve. Just let it out. The country is not going to judge you. Just let it out, dude. And after the ceremony, the casket boarded or was placed on Air Force One for its flight to Houston. A beautiful uh, service at the church in downtown Houston. Um, It's actually the church that President Bush and Barbara Bush attended when they were alive. Um, It's beautiful inside, actually. Um, When I was uh, when I was able to go to Texas uh, earlier this year, um, we all drove to Houston and um, the church is just beautiful, let me tell you. And, you know, after the funeral service in Houston, it had a train ride or the casket boarded a train for a two hour ride to College Station. And he was finally laid to rest at the Bush Presidential Library at College Station in Texas. And, you know, it was the closing of a beautiful, dignified service. I think I said that word a lot last week. It was highly dignified. President Bush wasn't perfect. I'm not saying he was. Like every president, he had problems. But the man had great character. And I was judged, or I was raised to judge a man by his character. Did he have a rough presidency? Absolutely. The Gulf War, taxes, inflation. I said it once, I'll say it again. The speech where he said, read my lips, no new taxes, that is what ended his presidency. On top of the inflation. Republicans hate taxes. To battle inflation, they had to raise taxes. But at least President Bush had the balls to say he messed up. Unlike a certain president that is currently in office right now. America came together last week to honor our 41st president. And you had some you had some funny moments during the service. President Bush coming down the aisle, um, giving Michelle Obama a piece of candy or a cough drop. Those two have developed a great relationship over the years. Um, how about that awkward moment? Like, if you ever go watch it, go watch the funeral before Trump gets there. All the former presidents and all the former vice presidents, they're all laughing and cutting up. But the moment Donald Trump walks into the building, they all just shut up and just sit there. It was a very awkward moment during the funeral. And it tells a story that, you know, Donald Trump is not a member of that that club that all the other past presidents belong to. He is not a member of the cool kids table. But besides that, 
the service itself is dignified. It was dignified for a dignified life. So to 41, thank you for teaching me a lesson in public service. It was an honor to know you. It was an honor to speak with you all those years ago about politics. Thank you for teaching me the importance of public service and being a volunteer through the Thousand Points of Light program that I got to take part of for four straight years. It was, it was a great service for a man who lived 94 years and for a man who led our country for four years. So to President Bush, to 41, on behalf of myself and many Bush sailors that had the privilege and honor of meeting you and talking with you, thank you for the life lessons you gave us. To the rest of the Bush family, we'll continue to have the Bush family in our thoughts. We know it's going to be tough, but we know the Bush family will get through it. And to all of my listeners, no president is perfect. But if you want a man, if you want to know a president that had great character, go read about George Herbert Walker Bush. It will definitely teach you something about character. We'll be right back. And welcome back to Political Thoughts with Steve. We are at... One of our favorite segments this week in Trump, where we talk about the crazy things that Donald Trump has done in the last week or so. Now, with the death of President Bush, I was seriously thinking that Donald Trump was going to release some crazy, crazy text messages to, you know, trying to own the news cycle. Because we all know Donald Trump is extremely jealous even of a dead guy who was the 41st president of the United States. I was like, you know what? Trump is just going to screw this whole week up. But I was surprised. I was really surprised that Trump actually showed some, a sense of decency and some class. Um, According to Political commentators, they even said, and I quote, Donald Trump has followed protocol to a standard. And Donald Trump has backed off to let the family of President Bush grieve. And I was just shocked. That Trump didn't, you know, say anything stupid this past week. I was, I was like, wow. Now, after the Mueller investigation started coming out, when Mueller released some of his findings, yep, Donald Trump right there began going on Twitter and doing some crazy things on Twitter, talking about how, you know, Comey and Moeller, how this is just the witch hunt, and yada, 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 and I was like, oh God, here we go again. Um, if you ever, but notice, Trump is throwing a lot of his own people under the bus now. The lack of loyalty in the Trump White House is crazy. This is like a terrible movie that just will not end, but it, it is so entertaining, and I guess this is what we get for electing you know, an entertainer into the White House. Maybe this is a punishment from God. Maybe this should be like 
maybe this is God's way of saying, do not do this again. But you know, Trump supporters, they're they're going to do this again. So we need to brace ourselves that Donald Trump may win in 2020 unless of, you know, Republicans get their heads out of their asses and impeach this asshole. But, you know, we'll see what happens. But last week, I was shocked that he didn't say that much. I don't think he started saying that much up until Mueller came out with some of his findings in this Russia investigation. Then all of a sudden, he starts talking. He starts throwing some people under the bush. And I'm going to tell you what's going on. Donald Trump is scared out of his mind right now. Trump is scared because the word impeachment is starting to be uttered on television. Congress, I guarantee, and I said this in my one of my uh, the first segment of this episode. Congress is going to start using that word impeachment a lot within the next six months. So if you've never seen an impeachment trial, I want y'all to just sit back and get ready because we are about to watch so much drama happen in D.C. It's going to be unbelievable. And I guarantee the message of the 2019-2020 presidential campaign is going to be a time to heal. Because if Trump survives this impeachment this whole impeachment trial that's about to happen, if Trump survives, it is going to hurt the Republican Party. Now, I can hear the Republicans saying, well, when Bill Clinton was, you know, going through, it didn't hurt the Democrats. Bill Clinton's impeachment trial happened towards the end of his second term. And it did hurt the Democrats because Al Gore lost the 2000 presidential election to George W. Bush. If there was no impeachment hearings and if President Clinton would have showed up a little bit more, Al Gore may have won that contest. But because of the impeachment hearings and because President Clinton didn't show up, we witnessed one of the closest presidential campaigns in the history of this republic back in 2000. So you're going to start seeing and hearing the word impeachment. Now, I'm going to tell you what happens, okay? So if you're new to this impeachment game, because this is a game, politics is a chess game. If you're new to this game, I'm going to give you some pointers on the impeachment process. So you had had this committee called the Judiciary Committee. They are going to come together and with Democrats running the House of Representatives now, the Democrats are going to introduce articles of impeachment. So you're probably going to hear the words... Lying under oath, including the main article of impeachment, which is obstruction of justice. That is probably going to be the first article to be voted on. Lying under oath and other articles that's going to be voted on. Now, it passes the committee. It goes to the House. They're going to debate on this for days. It's going to be a drawn-out process. And the good thing is, in the House, you cannot have a filibuster. So you don't have to worry about a congressman getting up and reading every single Dr. Seuss book ever created. There is absolutely no way a filibuster can happen during an impeachment hearing. So you're going to hear congressmen and women get up and talk about the impeachment, and finally you'll have the vote. It will probably pass the House of Representatives. If it doesn't, that means some Democrats jump ship, and we know that's going to be career suicide. We know Democrat those who decided to vote know they are going to be destroyed in the next election. Um, but Let's say, hypothetically, it passes the House. Then it's time to go to the major leagues. It is now going to move to the United States Senate. 
you're going to have the Chief Justice of the United States, Chief Justice Roberts. He is going to preside over the United States Senate. And the trial begins. There's going to be a lot of arguing. There's going to be a lot of yelling. There's going to be a lot of screaming. Many of you are going to want to throw your TVs outside and probably run them over with your lawnmowers. Many of you is just going to shut everything off, but please don't shut me off. I'm going to give you, I promise I'm going to be with you to let you know what's going on. But, you know, I'm just going to give you a daily or a weekly 15 minute kind of thing. But I guarantee we're going to have a lot of special coverage. So don't shut me off, but it's okay to shut MSNBC off. And then finally it comes down to a vote. If it's a 50-50 vote, the vice president will cast the tie-breaking vote. If articles of impeachment passes the Senate, a resolution will be drafted, and President Donald James John Trump, wherever the hell his middle name is, President Trump will, will be officially impeached by the United States Congress. Therefore, the president of the United States will no longer be the president. He will be the first president in U.S. history to be impeached by both houses of government. He will go home to either New York or to Florida. And Mike Pence will become the next president of the United States. That is how that happens. So get ready, fans. Get ready, lovers of liberty. Get ready, my fellow political nerds. The word impeachment is about to start. And some really awesome television is about to be made. So that's all I have to say about impeachment. But as far as Donald Trump, it was a quiet week for Trump. He kept his mouth shut during the funeral of President Bush. And then he started opening his mouth as soon as uh, Mueller released a couple of documents from the investigation. Then all hell broke loose, and we're right back on track to the craziest things that Donald Trump has said. So that's This Week in Trump. We'll be right back. And welcome back to this final segment of Political Thoughts with Steve, my favorite segment of my weekly podcast. This week's final Thoughts with Steve is going to revolve around something that I have personally experienced and that many of you may have also experienced. And we're going to talk about children who were raised in homes where there was not a father. Now, some of you have noticed that on my Twitter page, my last name changed. I'm going to tell you why. Um, when I was a little kid, my dad was a hero. And to every son, dad is always the hero. He was a police officer. Um, he would come home every night. Um, you know, he was there. He was my hero growing up when I was little. And then he left us. At the age of six, my father left my mom. Left my mom to raise two kids by herself. You know, being six, I didn't understand anything. Um, that was also the year that my grandfather passed away. My first grandfather. It, that was just a bad year. Um, but yeah, he left us. And throughout the course of my life, he was never around. Um, It's crazy because it's not like the guy lived out of state. He seriously lived five minutes away from the house 
but he was never around. He never wanted to spend time with us. And a little boy needs a dad. A, a little boy needs a male figure to look up to. Now, thank God I have great, amazing uncles. Um, my Uncle Rick claimed me at an early age. I was like the son he never had. Um, my Uncle Mike claimed my sister. Um, I felt bad for my Uncle Johnny because he didn't, you know, he didn't have anyone of us to claim, but, you know, he was there also. But my biological dad, he, he dropped the ball. And thank God for uncles who decided to pick up the ball and help my mom raise me and my sister. Um, this is where the story gets a little bit more deeper. Um, at the age of 18, I lost my brother Sean to cystic fibrosis. And it was a really difficult time for me because, you know, I watched my brother slowly die from this. I, I, I used to call it a terrorist organization because that's what CF was and still is. Um, now there's a lot of breakthrough in the CF community with medications and double double lung transplants and everything. Um, but, you know, I didn't have a dad there. And I always, I always say, and I say it to my best friend now, that the day my brother passed away, I gained a new brother. And his dad decided to be the father figure to me that I never had a chance to have. And, you know, ever since that day, I've always been grateful. I've always called his dad, my dad. Um, and when I got older, I have, you know, I had a son of my own. And the day my son was born, I'll never forget this. I held him in my arms and I said, I swear to God, I'll never put you through what my biological father put me and my mom and my sister through. I'll never put you through that. Growing up without a father was extremely difficult, especially for a boy. My sister will never know a father's love. My sister probably will never trust men because of what my father did. So, a few weeks ago, I made a decision. The only thing that kept me tied to him was my last name. So I decided to adopt my mother's maiden name. From now on, I will use my mother's maiden name because that is the side of the family that I relate to. That is the side of the family I will always say I'm a Murphy male. I'm a proud Murphy male. I was raised by my mother and my grandparents. My uncles helped. My best friend, my brother that I call my brother now, his dad helped. I will always be grateful for that. So that's a little story about me growing up without a dad. Right now, there are children all over the United States that do not have a father because that father refused to be a man and to be a father. Being a father is not that difficult. Yes, there's a lot of responsibilities in being a dad, but it's not difficult. All it takes is love and dedication to be a great father. Do you know what makes me a great father? It's because I decided at a very early age in my life, I would never put my children through what my sperm donor put my mother through or my sister through. I never do that. Some of you 
may have grown up in families where you did not have a father figure around that could relate to this story. Some of you grew up with your grandparents raising you or your moms raising you. My mother worked two full-time jobs, put two kids through school, battled breast cancer that she's currently still battling now. She did it every single day without bitching or complaining because my mother would never allow us to grow up without a sense of belonging and a sense of pride in ourselves. My mother is a true hero because she busted her ass for her children because a man refused to do his damn job to be a father. If you are a deadbeat father listening to this podcast, you don't need to listen any further. You should be completely ashamed of yourself for dropping the ball and letting another man have to pick up the ball. But if you are a stepfather who decided to make someone else's kids their own, then you are also heroes as well. You are true heroes. It's not because you had to. It's because you chose to. You chose to pick up the ball when the other guy dropped it. I am a proud Murphy male. I am closing a chapter in my life and finally breaking a piece of my life that I have disliked ever since I was little. Ever since the moment I watched my mother cry at the front door knowing where he was going. Because he refused to be a father, he decided to go be a selfish human being. But that's okay. You know what? It's okay that those deadbeat dads became selfish human beings because we are better off without them. We are better off because we learned what it truly means to be a father. We will never, ever commit those same mistakes. We will be fathers to our children, to our stepchildren. We will be amazing grandfathers to our grandchildren. We will teach our sons how to respect women, how to respect ladies, how to open doors for ladies, how to say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, please, and thank you. And it's because we were raised by strong women and good men that decided to pick up the ball and do a job that someone else refused to do. If you know a kid that doesn't have a dad, be a father figure to that kid. I used to work with children. I used to work with kids who were at risk use, and many of them didn't have fathers. Many of them didn't even know who the hell their fathers were. And I decided right there I was going to be a positive male influence on them because that's what they need, especially if they're between the ages of 10 and 13. They need that strong, strong father figure to teach them right and wrong. And it's up to us males to pick up the slack when others refuse to do their jobs. So here's my challenge to every one of you that grew up in a house that did not have a father because that father refused to do their jobs. I want every single one of you to find an at-risk teen and be a good figure to that at-risk teen. To let them know that, you know what, you may not have a dad, but neither did I. And look how I turned out. And I turned out great. And with hard work and a lot of time, you are going to turn out great. You are going to live above every single statistic that life will throw at you. You will do amazing things. And when you finally make it in your life, you're going to find the sperm donor 
or the piece of crap father who left and said, guess what? I did it on my own without your help. And that is going to be so gratifying to you. I promise because it's happened to me. The day I look that man in the eye and say, the reason why I'm such a great father is because you refuse to do your job is because I learned from your sins what not to do to my own son. And the reason why I've become successful isn't because of you, but it's because of my mother and my grandparents. That was the most rewarding day of my life. And I promise, I promise you will feel a million times better at the end of that conversation. So, if you know an at-risk teen that needs a father, that needs a father figure, go be that figure. If you know an at-risk teen little girl that never had a mom, be that mother figure. It doesn't take that much time at all, and you will feel a sense of pride when the when the day is done, that you made a difference in a child's life. We are better than the statistics that have been thrown at us. We didn't need them. We'll never need them. So it's okay to go cuss at them. It's okay to want to beat their asses. It's okay to tell them to screw off. It is perfectly okay because we're going to make it. And that's your final thoughts for this week. Before we go, I want to thank every one of our supporters of this podcast. Um, we love and thank every one of you political nerds out there that support our, podca- our podcast on a weekly basis. Um, if you want to support our podcast even more, um, go to our page on anchor.fm to search political thoughts with Steve. It'll take you directly and hit, and hit that donation button. Now you can donate as little as a dollar a week or a dollar a month or up to a hundred dollars, but every single little donation helps us with new equipment so we can bring you all this exciting political commentary and political opinions every single week. Um, so if you want to donate, just go to anchor.fm right now and search political thoughts with Steve and hit that donation button. We would love your donation. Also, if you haven't followed us on Twitter yet, go to twitter.com and Put at official PTWSTEV, at official PTWSTEV. That will bring up our Twitter page and hit that follow button. We are blessed to have over 1,200 Twitter followers right now. When I started my Twitter page, I started with zero. And ever since um, I have been, or we as a podcast have been welcomed to this this podcast community on Twitter, um, our numbers are growing. Our listeners are growing. Um, you know, we love the podcast community that we belong to. Um, we we belong to some amazing independent podcasts out there. So, you know, if y'all are looking for some um, really great podcasts, all y'all have to do is just send us a message and ask for our, you know, who we recommend. And we will definitely give you names of some exciting podcasts that are out there that we love so much. Um, but yeah, go to Twitter and follow us on Twitter. Um, we're going to be having an Instagram page created soon. Um, we got rid of the Facebook page because we didn't really put any time and effort into our Facebook page, but we may bring it back. So just be on the lookout for that when that happens. We will definitely let y'all know. Um, also, also, um, Christmas is coming up. Christmas is coming up within the next three weeks. Now, the whole week of Christmas, we will not be broadcasting an episode. We're going to be, you know, spending time with friends and family that are coming in from town. And I'm going to be seeing a lot of my um, my veteran brothers and sisters as well. I'm probably doing a lot of volunteering at soup kitchens and homeless shelters around the area that I live in. So um, my challenge to all of you is that during Christmas holidays, Go volunteer at a homeless shelter and go feed the homeless because it, it is seriously one of the most 
rewarding experiences you will ever have. So the challenge is go out there and give back to the community and go feed the homeless or go buy some Christmas presents for Toys for Tots. Um, I saw some really awesome Marine brothers and sisters uh, outside collecting donations. Um, donate to Salvation Army. Just go donate. Do something awesome this uh, this Christmas season. Um, it doesn't take much. And think about the smiles that y'all are going to create. So I encourage everyone to go volunteer a little bit during the next three weeks. Um, to all of our veterans out there and all of our service members out there, um, we love you. We thank you for your service. We support you. We're praying for you all the time. Um, listeners, political nerds out there, go thank a veteran this week. Go thank a service member this week. I know some of y'all know someone who have served or is still serving. So go thank them this week. Um, you know, our nation is a great nation regardless of the problems that we have. And it's because of our soldiers, our sailors, our airmen, our coasties, our Marines. It's because of volunteers who have decided to risk their lives for this republic. It's because of them, the reasons why we get to have the freedoms that we have right now. So please go thank a veteran or a service member this week. Um, so yeah, I think that's it. Um, as I said, go follow us on Twitter, be on the lookout for Instagram and Facebook. Um, recommend us to a friend. Also, if you're listening to us on Apple, hit that star, rate our podcast and also send us a comment. We love it when our um, when our when our fans rates us and sends us a comment and everything. Show the world that you love us and everything, because Lord knows, you know, independent podcasting is it's a hard job sometimes, especially when you're trying to come up with topics to discuss in an hour or longer than an hour period, like we do. So, yeah, go ahead and uh, rate us and everything and send us a comment. Um, also, if you want to donate, go to Anchor.fm right now. And click that donation button right there on our Political Thoughts with Steve page. Um, so, yeah, that's it. I hope everyone has a great week. We will talk to everyone next week on Political Thoughts with Steve, brought to you by Anchor. Go download Anchor, the Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm and start your free podcast. We will talk to everyone next week. See you soon.